So as I was preparing this message today, as Pastor DJ said, on prayer, you know, it made me think about something that Paul desired of people in the church of Ephesus, and that was prayer. But that also made me think about how we all have experienced things that we've desired, and we want for those things to be better, truly for the good of those things, right? Things that we've desired, that we desire to be better. One thing that came to mind for me this week was Greenwood Dining, Greenwood, Indiana Dining, okay? Now, I am a foodie. You guys know that. I think you know that, but I'm a foodie. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for all the changes that we've made here in our county. Like, we brought in Kaplingers. We brought in Crumble Cookies, really good. Uh, we brought in El Emporium, you know, all these things. But as me and some friends went up to Fisher's on Friday, and we indulged in Torchy's Tacos. If you haven't been there, that chain comes from Texas. I came here from Dallas, Texas. Uh, Torchy's Tacos is amazing. All you have to do is go in there and order the Trailer Park Trashy Taco. <laughs> Listen, life-changing. Actually, so we went on Friday. Me and a buddy are going right after this service. So if you could please let me leave, that will be great after the service. And so as we go up to this place, I constantly think to myself, I'm like, man, like, if only we could just be like the north side in this regard, right? Greenwood Dining, something that I desire to be better. How about something that's very near and dear to all of our hearts in this room, the Indianapolis Colts, right? I, it, listen, like, so, so I am a Rams fan, but now that my wife's not here, the Colts are my second favorite team. If she was here, they're my third favorite because then the Bengals. But... Listen, like, we, we all in here desire for the Colts to be better. Listen, the Colts, when they're good, the game of football is so much better. And, and I just hate it this year, this whole season, walking in the office on Monday and seeing Pastor Mark's heart broken because, <laughs> because the Colts lost to Jacksonville at that. You know, like I hate it coming in here and seeing people in the church so disappointed with this team. So listen, we all in here desire for the Colts to be better. Maybe it's something a little bit more serious. Maybe it's a relationship with your child and they cannot stand you. And maybe that's something that you desire to be better. Maybe it's a relationship with your spouse and you don't quite understand what their grievance is towards you. Whatever it may be, we all have things in here that we desire to be better. And as I said earlier, Paul, in this passage today, tells Timothy his big desire is for the men to be holy and to pray. He knows that this is something that they are not doing well in the context of their church. And so he says, men, be holy and pray. So today, I'm talking specifically to the men in this room. Women, we'll get to you next week. Really excited for that. But this week, men, and because we are men and our attention span is very low, we're going to focus on one verse for you today, baby. One verse, okay? And my goal is to not be long because, again, I'm sure that we have the March Madness hangover from last night. But we're going to key in on chapter 2, Verse 8, and the goal walking away today is that men would be prayer warriors and that we would be men of peace. So we're going to look at two things today that God is calling us men to in the household of God. So what I want to do, it's only fitting, we're talking about prayer. Let's pray. Let's ask for God's help to challenge us in the right way and that we would step into this. So let's pray. 
Father God, you are wonderful and you are good. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that we can open that word here this morning and hear what you have to say to us. Jesus, may you speak. May you challenge us where we need to be challenged. May you encourage us, God, where we may need to be encouraged. But God, may you turn every man's heart in this room to being a man who loves to pray. And even if they don't love it at first, that they would be willing to pray for the betterment of the body, for the betterment of their families, for the betterment of themselves, honestly. So God be glorified this morning as we talk about these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 8 with me. Let's read the first half of that. It says this, I desire then, Paul talking here, I desire then that in every place the men should pray. The first thing I want for you to write down here this morning, if you're taking notes, it'll be on the screen, God calls men to pray. Okay? Very easy. God calls men to pray. Well, Corey, it's Paul talking here. Well, well, Paul's desires are God's desires, and God is calling the men in the church context to pray. Now, last week, we spent time um, talking about uh, both men and women, and chapter 2 begins with how we all should be people who pray. But then we see Paul bring this together with verse 8 and translates this specifically for men. And so overall, what he is saying for verses 1 through 8 because he says, I desire them. So what does he desire? Overall, he is saying, have a life of prayer that leads to a quiet and dignified life that is gospel magnetic. And because of that, I desire then that in every place the men should pray. Let's talk about every place. What does every place mean in the context of this verse? Uh, every place means areas in the church. Again, 1 Timothy is a book that's focused on how believers should behave in the household of God. Uh, and so he's talking about areas in the church. I desire then that men should pray in the areas in the church. So as Timothy is hearing Paul say that to him, Timothy translates that in two ways. First of all, uh, the, the church of Ephesus would gather in a house church context. So smaller gatherings in homes together uh, scattered about in Ephesus and Timothy, okay, Paul is telling me, encourage these men, hey, pray in these small house gatherings. But then also there was another gathering where the men, or not where the men, but all the people, all the house churches in the church of Ephesus, all the houses would gather together for one larger gathering. And then so Paul is telling Timothy, hey, men need to pray in that larger context as well. That's similar to our discipleship group settings, and that's similar to the Sunday morning setting. So Timothy knows, hey, challenge men to be prayer warriors in the context of the body of Christ in the church. And may we, as Redeemer Bible Church, heed to that challenge as well. Because let's be honest with ourselves. Historically, women have led the way in this category, and we applaud that. For our ladies, thank you ladies for leading so well in the church through prayer while unfortunately men are nowhere to be seen. I thank God for people like my mom who worked their shift, would come home, care for her three knuckleheaded boys, 
praise God for that, right, would, would care for them while my dad went off to work. Uh, and my mom was so faithful to putting us in areas where we were learning to pray. We didn't have the option. We were forced to go. And so Wednesday nights, she would drag us to church. Uh, Sunday mornings, she would drag us to church. And then the longest night, listen, uh, just so we all know in here, uh, so I grew up in a southern black church. And I'm going to tell you all something. Going to a black church is a commitment. I mean, it is a full-time job. You know, and so when we would, bro, when, like when we would go and pray, uh, we would start at 8 a.m. We would leave to like 2 p.m. Like praying, worship, people passing out, speaking in tongues, all the, all the stuff. I mean, we had the full experience. But my mom was like, hey, I don't care how long it's going to take. You are going to be here. You are going to learn how to pray. And we're going to learn how to worship and love Jesus. I'm thankful for my mom who led us in that avenue, putting us in that church. I'm thankful for women like Robin Lemons, who attends this church, who has for years faithfully led the prayer room function at our church, who has just been a prayer warrior for our church. I'm thankful for the time that I served in student ministry, and I had adult leaders, specifically the females, who said, hey, Corey, this ministry is changing a lot, and I don't care what you do, don't get rid of that pre-service prayer time where we pray for the kids, where we pray uh, for the service, we pray for discipleship groups, we pray for the word of God. And those ladies, had, they, they held me accountable to that. And you talk about godly women. They held us accountable and we never stopped praying. Thankful for the women. Keep at it. But God calls you men to pray. And ladies, even as I make this charge, this isn't a charge for you to lower your level. This is a charge for our men to step up to what you are already doing. Okay, men, we have to step into this. Let's be prayer warriors. How powerful could that be for America to be rocked by a culture of praying men? God calls us to this. And so in every place, the men should pray. Men, we must step up and pray in the church. I want to give a little bit of context on how on how we could do this as men in our body of Christ. Uh, you know, I think one thing for us, uh, we have a prayer room available. Sundays at 8.15, you're going to see a prayer team lead. Uh, Sundays at 8.15 and 10.15, 45 minutes before service, we'll have a prayer team lead in there praying typically with a discipleship group. Please feel free to join them. Get in there. Pray with them. I would just love to see Men leading their families to the prayer room on Sunday mornings, not only going when our discipleship groups are assigned, not only going when our wife is dragging us in there because of a marital issue. No, let's lead the way. How about First Tuesday? Pastor DJ just talked about that. And I just think it'll be beautiful to see men leading in their families. I think it'll be beautiful during First Tuesday that as we're in pockets praying around the congregation that, that men would lead out in that time. That men, because you know your children so well and because you know your spouse so well that you would bring them up here to the front to pray over any issues that they may have when the elders uh, are up here at the end of the night. And I'm super proud of our young adult ladies who show up there. Hey, fellas, listen, I know the Fortnite update is super cool, but let's put Fortnite down and let's come here and let's, and let's be present like our ladies are. Prayer room, first Tuesday. How about this? Just simply that men would just huddle around the church and pray together, not to be seen, 
but from a pure heart, that we would just stop and just pray with one another. That men would cultivate avenues for the church to pray. You know, I had a really uh, cool moment with Pastor Mark this week. You know, I was telling him as I was preparing this message, I was telling him that like there's, there's two men without a doubt that I know are prayer warriors in our church. And it was cool because he was able to name both of them. And so one of them, um, one of them cultivated an avenue for the church to pray. So a couple of couples in my discipleship group one Tuesday night said, hey, we're going to come by tomorrow and we just want to bless you. So I just started, you know, I'm assuming a blessing, Chick-fil-A. So I just started, get, you know, I, get, I said, hey, I want a number two. Give me a milkshake, please. And I said, no, it's not that. It's something else. So the next day, um, you know, they show up with that guy and along with 15 other people. And for a brother in the wintertime, and when I say brother, African-American male, you know, I had on shorts and a hoodie, so I was ashy too. And I wasn't prepared to have 20 people at my house. But, but they came in, and you know what they did, man? They just prayed over us. They blessed us. Men, women, and that guy led that time. Men, may we cultivate avenues for the church to pray. How about in our discipleship group times, that we would have prayer nights that we lead out in, that we would prayer walk. Imagine, just visualize six to ten men from a discipleship group walking in a neighborhood, praying, claiming victory over this home, praying that fathers in this home uh, would just be holy men. Them stopping and talking and praying with other men and families sharing the gospel with them, stomping on Satan's head, men in every area. May we pray. He says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray. Now, for men to pray, we have to have a heart that is willing to pray. Now, now notice that I said willing and not necessarily enjoy. But I believe that as we are more willing, the more we will grow to enjoy praying to the Lord. So something I want to talk about, and it will be on the screen, is how do we cultivate a prayerful heart, okay? How do we, men, cultivate a prayerful heart? I would say the first thing is to be still and reflect. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time here because I think that this is one of the hardest things for us to do as men, is to be still and reflect in a culture that says, men, hustle, 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 go, 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 get your money, get your prestige, make people praise you. And I love verses like Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, hey, be still and know that I am God. And what we got to understand about this verse is this is less of a grab a coffee cup and let me encourage and make you feel comfortable and affirm all that you're doing. No, no, no. This is a verse where God is saying, hey, take the focus off of you, you who think that you are God and that you are good and put your focus on a God who is actually good and focus on me because that's where your comfort comes from, not from yourself. And so he says, hey, be still and know that I am God. And the beautiful thing about this as well is that we will never forget what God has done for us. We can be still and reflect on the fact of the sacrifice in which he sent his son on this earth to live for us. He sent his son down to this earth for us. And this is a little bit different for me now that I have an almost two-year-old and a child on the way. This is a, a little bit different for me because I don't think I would be willing to do this for people who don't listen to me and people who hate me. And yet he sent Jesus down on this earth to live a perfect life 
to be a lamb who was slain to be the final sacrifice to atone for our sins so that we wouldn't have guilt and shame and sin keeping us away from eternity with him. And that all we have to do is just let Christ be the Lord of our lives. And as he is the Lord of our lives, we get to spend eternity with him. What a benefit. And then Jesus hung on that cross, bearing our sin, our shame, our guilt, died, was put in a tomb. Three days later, he woke up, he stretched, he left the tomb, and he is alive to this day, symbolizing for us that we, like him, can conquer death, conquer sin, conquer the grave. This is why we be still and reflect, because that's our fuel. That's everything for us. Be still and reflect. Next thing, be intentional and talk. Okay? Another focus towards God. Be still and reflect. Be intentional and talk. I believe you begin growth by just praying and talking to God in your prayer closet. I think that that's where we should start. I think that's where we should begin. And listen, and I love the fact that a lot of you in here, you pray on the go. But I would challenge you, let that be supplemental and not the main prescription. Be intentional. Find time to talk with God the way that we should. Next thing, be responsive and pray. This is now turning the focus towards others. So what do I mean by be responsive and pray? I would challenge you to commit to being a pray first man when people have needs. Respond to them as they come to you with needs and pray for those needs. Like when we sit with our children at the end of the night, men, and they're uh, processing their hearts from the difficult and tough day that they had, that we would just stop and pray. And trust me, they will see you as a loving father, but most of all, they will see God as the number one loving father as you go to them for your source of help. That when we're sitting down with our spouses and they process what they're going through, they're struggling with, that we would be responsive to their needs and that we will pray for them in light of that. And the last one is be a planner and do, okay? Cultivating a prayerful heart means that we must be a planner and do. I don't think this is an easy task. I don't think this comes natural for a lot of us, but we have to schedule that time, and that's okay. That's okay. Schedule the, schedule the time to talk to God. If some of you say, I don't have the time, I believe the busier, you, the busier you are, the more you should pray. So be a planner. Plan that time and do be a doer, get up and make it happen the way that we would make our health journey happen, the way that we would make our fishing trip happen, the way that we make all the time our obsessions with work happen. Let's make it happen. Nike, just do it, right? Let's make it happen. And even in light of making it happen, lead your home in prayer, man. Lead, man, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Your kids will appreciate it. Your spouse, will, they will appreciate it. Lead your home in prayer. Again, sit with your children. Hear their hearts. Pray with them. Sit with your spouse. Hear her heart. Pray with her. Create times in your week to do this, men. You get it. God calls men to pray. But he doesn't just call us to this action. He calls us to a heart posture. So where do I get that from? Let's keep reading. 
Verse 8, let's reread the whole thing. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. The second thing I would love for you to write down here this morning is this, is that God calls men to pray from a life of holiness, not hostility. That says me, but it should be men. God calls men to pray from a life of holiness, not hostility. So this will make sense as we look at the first few words in the second part of that verse. And it says, lifting holy hands. Okay, so I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands. And so it's fair that you would think that this is a physical prayer posture. That we are on our knees with our hands raised and that we're praying. Like, you see that in the Old Testament. You see that in the New Testament. But this is not what Paul's talking about here. This is not a physical prayer position, but a spiritual heart posture. It's a spiritual heart that affects how we live amongst others. What you're going to see here on the screen is a, is a little breakdown of what holy hands means. Holy means to be unpolluted or unstained by evil. And then hands represent the activities of this life. So holy hands equals a holy life. And so are we lifting holy hands? Do we have a holy life, men? Because lifting holy hands doesn't just affect our relationship, but also our prayer lives. Okay? How we live, our holy life, does affect our prayer lives. And some of us in here wonder, man, why haven't my prayers for this person been answered for 15 years? Like, why are my children, uh, like, 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 why are they still struggling with these things I've been praying for? You know, it could just be God saying no for this time. But I would also challenge you, observe your life. Do you have a holy life? I think about um, our married men in the room. Are you lifting holy hands in your marriage? Do you have a holy life in your marriage? Where is that coming from? First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It will be on the screen. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. How you live with your spouse affects your prayer life. How are you treating your spouse? Are you loving them, men? Are you gentle with them, men? Are you loving them, washing them with the word? Or are you battering them mentally, verbally, even physically? I know that there's some men in here who are probably abusive men. Are we loving them the way that we're called to? Are we lifting holy hands in our marriage? All men. Are we lifting the holy hands in the way that we handle sin? Psalm 66, verse 18, this is where this comes from. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So do we have holy hands, a holy life in our lives against sin? Do we have holy hands, a holy life in our integrity with our work, with our finances at work? Do we have holy hands in what we view on the internet, all men? This isn't just a single man issue. This is also a married man issue. And some of you have some unchecked things that you need to start repenting of and bring to the light to other men and to your spouse. 
Do we have holy hands in how we handle sin? And how we engage with our kids, single students, and how you engage with friends, high school, middle school students, and how you engage on social media, through the hallways, with friends. Again, holy hands so that our prayer lives won't be hindered. And not only is this a word for us in light of our prayer lives, but us lifting holy hands is good for us as we engage with members of the church. This is why Paul says at the end of the verse, again, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Part of lifting our holy hands is not getting mad and arguing with one another, but living at peace with one another. What was taking place in this verse in the church of Ephesus, you had these false teachers bringing about these theological disputes. They were talking about how, hey, men, there's speculations about the law. They were bringing up confusing stuff. There's speculations about the law. And they were talking about having severe self-discipline, not for the glory of God, but for the glory of self. They were talking about oh, I'm having avoidance of all forms of indulgence for religious reasons, not gospel reasons. So there was a group of men in that church who would take the teaching of the false teachers and confirm that. But then you had a group in the church who believed truly in the gospel, but they didn't know how to react to these men who were preaching and teaching and believing these lies, so they would argue. Which, as we all know, and this is something that I would say that we as a, not we as a church, we as the American church, we're not very good at. We have a lot of drama and beef going on between one another, and it's a turnoff to the outside world. Something that we have to stop doing. The anger and quarreling, it has to go. So the temptation was to fight, but Paul says to be peaceful. Put on your holy hands, your holy life, and seek peace with one another. And specifically, men, uh, it's time that we stop handling hostility by praying on one another, uh, that we start handling it by praying with one another. This has to be something that we get good at. Too many relationships being damaged in the body of Christ where we should be learning to show the most grace because we can't get over issues in a mature manner. We got to be better at this. We can't argue. We can't hate. He doesn't call us to hostility with one another, but holiness and peace with one another. It makes me think about this, uh, this young man. So I was in student ministry for about six years of my life, and uh, one of my one of my uh, former students, he's adult age now, called me um, a few months ago and was telling me about a guy in his church, and in his church context, that was preaching heresy, which we all know that's, that's, that's horrible, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that leads people straight to hell, if I could be honest with you, right? They go believing lies and, and they think they're saved and they're not. And I was so impressed by the way this young man handled that instance, he just, you know, he stopped, he prayed about it, he sought out myself and wise counsel, other wise counsel, I'm not wise counsel, <laughs> and took his time, and then he went to that brother, and he prayed, and he rebuked him, and beautiful things happened. He rebuked him in love, and that brother repented of that, more of that amongst men especially when it comes to theological issues, things we may not agree on, like how can we love them well through those things? Now, there's times to be stern where we must be stern, be bold in that, men, 
And there's times that we go more gracious, more patient. And so may we be good about those things. God calls men to pray from a life of holiness, not hostility. So men, what do we need coming out of this, this one verse today? All these things I said earlier, but just want to reiterate as we're on our way out the door here this morning. But men, first of all, be prayer warriors in the church. If you didn't hear me say that the first time, hear me say it now, and please heed to this. Men, be prayer warriors in the church. Let's step into this with our women. Let's be at First Tuesday leading the way. Let's be in the prayer room. I would challenge you, commit to once a month, once a month, going to the prayer room and praying. You are invited in there at any point. No one will say, get out, you weirdo. No, they, no, they, they welcome you in there. Join them. Pray with them. I challenge you once a month. We have eight services a month. That's one out of eight. Join us for that. Step into that. Pray that we would pray together in the lobby. That men, that we would ask for prayer from one another. And listen, you are not weak if you do this. My best friend um, is is tougher, stronger than any man in this room. He's an FBI agent and a Marine. Like, what a combo, right? And he sent me a text this week, hey, bro, can you please be praying for me? I'm struggling right now. You're not weak if you do this. Ask for prayer. Again, that we'll come to First Tuesday. And, men, I want to challenge us as well. Hold each other accountable to these things. Wives, hold your husbands accountable to these things. Mother, hold your teenage son, your young kids accountable to these things. Because we want to see a culture happen because this is in danger of being a one-week motivator and nothing more than that. And we want to see a culture come from this. We want to see prayer happen amongst the men. So men be prayer warriors in the church. Men lead prayer in your home. Sit with God. Know God. Soak up God in your prayer closet. I remember my dad, when he first got saved, um, you know, he did this really well. And I knew this because I would go downstairs a lot of mornings and it would be dark. And he would say my name, I'd poop myself because I didn't see him. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, he would scare the life out of me. But he was downstairs just just praying in in his prayer closet, meditating on the Lord day and night. And that was his time to get along. And that impacted me. It showed the importance of being able to do that. So let's, let's lead the way in our homes, and it starts with our one-on-one. Men, I challenge you, pray with your kids every night if you can. One, because we know that time's going to be gone soon if they're still in the home. One of the sweetest things for me and my wife right now, we, we have an almost two-year-old, and we pray with him every night if we can. And the sweetest thing is hearing his amen at the end of our prayers. So cute, so cute. And then, men, let's pray with our spouses. Pray. Pray with them. Get intentional, scheduled time with them if you have a spouse. Pray with them. Love them in that way. I guarantee you they will appreciate that. So prayer warriors and the church men, men lead prayer in your home. But then also, men, let's be holy and peace seekers. Pray, address, forgive, and be forgiven, and pray some more. Let's handle our disputes in a holy manner with holy hands in a healthy way because God calls us to this. If there's anything I want for you to walk away with here today that encapsulates all that we talked about is this. On the screen here, God calls holy men to pray, not fight. Okay? God calls us 
to be holy men. We lift holy hands. We look first to pray, and we don't fight. We handle arguments in a holy hands, lifting holy hands way. So we are honored to be able to pray to a God who has won our biggest battle of sin and death on the cross. We thank him for that. So we are now going to go into a time of communion. You can go ahead and grab your elements that you received on your way inside the door. Uh, So we're going to go into this time, and this is a remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body. The Bible tells us that we aren't to go into this time in an unworthy manner, but that we are to observe ourselves during this time, uh, that this uh, time would be only for the follower of Jesus. If you are an unbeliever uh, in this room this morning, we will not judge you. Uh, No one here is here to judge you. We're actually thankful that you are here with us this morning, uh, but this time is not for you, again, only for the follower of Jesus as we remember his sacrifice for us. So uh, I want to challenge you here to take time to confess what needs to be confessed, uh, repent of what needs to be repentant of, and observe your life uh, in light of the sacrifice that Christ made. And then I'll be here in a moment to lead us through the elements. So take time to do that right now. Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you all could please stand in light of what we just remembered. We're going to close with a song, Jesus, You Alone. And in light of everything that we talked about here this morning, I want for us all to just gather that that this isn't us who can transform the things that need to be transformed. For the men in the room, again, you may be desiring this heart for prayer, but may you lean in on Jesus as you Pursue that because, again, you cannot transform yourself. He can. Lean in. Ask him for that. Wives, as we hold accountable our husbands in light of pursuing this life of prayer, pray for your man. Ask Jesus to help him. Hold them accountable. Point them to the word of God. Jesus alone will transform them. And if you're in the room, and even if you don't know Christ, hey, you just ignore everything that I said. Because for you, the only hope that you're going to find in this world is Jesus. You can keep looking. You can go wherever you want, other temples, whatever it may be. Jesus is the answer. And my hope, because I love you, I don't know you, but I love you, is that you would meet a beautiful and satisfying and fulfilling Savior. 
And so Jesus alone is who we will worship here this morning. Join me in a song as we worship his holy name.